69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> and that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Playoffs? What talk about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello and welcome back to the Backyard PA Football Podcast. I'm Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we are not in the radio studio today, so no live stream. Sorry about that, folks. But um, we will be back. We're recapping round one of the Whippio playoffs. Um, a sad week um, in in high school football, especially for us. Uh, 0-5, the Tri-County South went in round one. And 0-4, the Century Conference went as well. Uh, Jeremiah... Um, what were your takeaways from both of those conferences, and um, especially in the Tri-County South, just kind of showing the ineptitude, the difference in quality of football between the conferences? Yeah, um, I think we knew that, but even to see some of the teams that are maybe uh, weaker in their respective conference come down and just dominate, um, you know, the quote-unquote top dogs in the Tri-County South was uh, – Pretty incredible to see, but not as shocking as seeing the Century Conference go down like it did um, on Friday night. I mean, I think we had a feeling that three of the four Century Conference teams were gonna lose. I, I know. You, I, I think you it was two. Feel... I think it was more two and two. Yeah, for me at least. I mean, I, I saw. I didn't think McGuffey stood a chance, and then obviously, um, oh, that's awful. I can't. Beth Center didn't stand a chance against Steel Valley, but I thought Sarchar Houston could have had one, and I, I didn't see Wash High losing at all, so um, that one really uh, threw me off. Do you think this just reinforces the fact of the southern end of high school football teams and the Whitfield being just weaker in general? No. Uh, maybe some rule changes in the future. No. I mean, we've seen Wash High win WPIL championships. I mean, Wash High is one of the more storied programs in the WPIL. Um, you know, we've seen teams just as a few years ago as California make it all the way to the WPL semifinals. West Green's made it to the WPL semifinals. Um, I just think this was an off year. I mean, even though West Green was 8-2, and two, we saw early in the season, um, they lost to Cameron, West Virginia by six. Cameron's the number one ranked team. The state playoffs in West Virginia just came out. Cameron's ranked number one at 10-0 and 0 in West Virginia. Um, they lost to Burgestown 20 to nothing. Um, you know, Burgerstown just barely made the playoffs out of their conference. Um, and then California and Carmichael's, you know, it's kind of the same deal. They beat who they needed to but got crushed by West Green. And um, that was basically the story of the Tri-County South this year. As the top three teams were, they still were uh, quite weak compared to the competition of the Eastern and Big Seven conferences. I think it really showed the discrepancy between the Eastern and Tri-County South where you saw – Leechburg, who is the fourth or third ranked team in that con- third ranked team in that conference, um, really handled California the way they did. Um, obviously, we saw um, lower class- lower teams in the Tri County South just didn't stand a chance as well. Uh, but let's start out with the game of the week here: Mohawk at Chargers Houston. This was the game that you were at. 34-12, the Warriors win. This game was tied at halftime, I believe. You know, 14-12. 21-12. 21-12. Yeah, Mohawk, Mohawk scored on and a great play call, by the way. Former Waynesburg University quarterback uh, Tyler Pallone calling the plays for Mohawk's offense. Nice play. Play action uh, to the right. John Voss cr- throws across his body. It was a nice tight end waggle where the tight end came across and wide open in the end zone. Um, and they score about three seconds left in the first half. Watching the tape of this game, to me, it seemed really obvious, like, 
it was that classic high school football storyline where it's just Mohawk had a 215-pound quarterback, and Chargers Houston didn't have anybody to stop It might him. say that on Max Preps. <laughs> There's no way he was 215. He had to be every bit of like 235, 240. I mean, he had John Voss. I joked when we got there to Carter, my our videographer, I joked, I said, man, that kid looks like Ben Roethlisberger Jr. And it was scary because, like, his – even the way he walked looked like Ben Roethlisberger. When he'd go to the sideline to get the play, the way he ran his, um, ran his huddle and everything, his play co- – I mean, he he really just was Ben Roethlisberger Jr. And we made that joke. And even – it was so funny. One of the – we were on the Char Houston sideline, and the line judge on Char Houston sideline looked at us and went, man, this kid just looks like prime Ben Roethlisberger. And we lost it because we like, that's what we've been saying the whole game. And it was the truth. They just didn't have an answer for John Voss, man. Uh, it seemed like whenever they needed four yards, especially from watching the film, they would just run him either up the middle or around the side, and he'd put a kid in the dirt and get four or five yards, and that was just the reason Mohawk won this game. But um, not really surprising to me the Chargers Houston struggled as much as they did on offense. That's been kind of a storyline throughout the whole year. Uh, but what are your takeaways just so from the way this game played out? Uh, Chargers Houston was in this game in the first half and it just slipped away from them. Yeah, they were in the game because of two prayers thrown by um, Terry Fesco Jr. Uh, to Jake Mealy, who came down with them, and two deep balls, and that's really what kept them in the game. Uh, Mohawk adjusted at halftime, and that didn't happen at all in the second half. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing that's crazy about it, I think a big turning point of the game, I mean, it was back and forth. We didn't know who was going to win. It was 21-12. Char Houston got the opening um, kickoff for the second half. Uh, Jordan Ierson takes it all the way down to the four-yard line on an incredible return. And Char Houston goes four and out. They can't punch it in. And then Mohawk proceeds to go down and, and score. And that was really the, the, the dagger for um, Char Houston. Yeah, I, I, I knew coming in Char Houston's offense struggled, and I figured they would mightily in this game. Um but I thought maybe the defense would step up like it has in games against McGuffey, but uh, that, there, that just did not happen. It's it's just a really big weakness for Chargers Houston going up against a guy that's, you know, John Voss is probably like twice the size of some of the Chargers Houston defensive line. That like, was another thing, size. Yeah. Size was huge. So, I mean, Chargers Houston does not have a lot of size. They got some big guys, but, you know, their biggest guys are average on that Mohawk um, interior line. So when you get a guy that's six one two thirty running downhill um, through through the center and the guard, right? Like there's nothing Chargers Houston could do to stop that. And I kind of seem like really the story of this game. But uh, looking ahead for Mohawk, I mean they have Beaver Falls on tap. No, not Beaver Falls. They have Still Rocks on tap. Um, they don't stand a chance. No, I mean John Voss might have some highlight plays like he did. He had a couple stiff arms against Char Houston. He might have a couple against Stowe Rocks because they, have, although they're athletic, they do have some smaller guys. But uh, Mohawk, from what I've seen, um, who did struggle in the first half against um, Char Houston, I mean they they won't have that same success rate uh, against the Vikings. Moving on here into 1A, and this was a game that I'm sure you were very disappointed by. Springdale 28, West Green 21, excuse me. Springdale 21. Triple I've actually does say 28. I double-checked that score. I was like, that doesn't seem right. Um, so they should fix that. Uh, West Green, Donut. 
no points on the board. Uh, very similar to that Burgesstown game to open up the season. Uh, what were your takeaways from the Pioneers and a really disappointing end to their season? Yeah, um, it, it's funny that you said Burgesstown because uh, my dad, who's obviously a coach for the team, he called me after the game and said it was Burgesstown 2.0 all over again. Uh, yeah, um, just like watching the game, first play of the game, first off, West Whipke throws an interception deep in their own territory. Uh, Springdale scores a couple plays later, and that really set the tone for this game. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, Springdale just wanted it more. You know, I've talked to some coaches, and like they've said, like, hey, you know, West Green, we only had like four or five big time hits all season. Springdale had four or five big ones in that game. Like, they just wanted it more, um, and it's a shame West Green's season ends the way it did in a uh, shutout. And we've been talking all season about how good Colin Brady is, and it didn't seem like West Green could get much going on the ground. Uh, did you see um, some of his results from that game? What did you think about uh, the West Green rushing attack here? Um, a lot of times he had nowhere to go, and a lot of times it looked like he was taking plays off, to be quite frank. And that's something, um, you know, I, I don't know if there was fatigue factor there, something going on. You know, I'm not going to assume or say anything but you know that's just my observation of film um yeah he, he just couldn't get it going he's one of those guys like if you know if he doesn't get it going he's gonna have a rough night you can tell kind of in the first few plays of a possession how brady's night's gonna go and uh wasn't a good one for the young sophomore but he's still got two years and we know he's gonna be uh very successful yeah still a lot on the table for the pioneers they'll probably be favorites to win this conference once again next year uh with all cal is losing and um and Carmichael's as well. Uh, but on the Springdale side, uh, we just talked about how they were able to shut down Colin Brady in that rushing attack, and now they're going to be playing Rochester, and we know Rochester likes to run the ball a lot. Does the fact that they were able to stop Colin Brady kind of give you a little bit of pause now that Rochester won't run all over them, that maybe this will be a good game and maybe Springdale could pull something here. Yeah, let's talk for gift. Springdale only lost to Clareton 12-0 this year, and they only lost to Bishop Canavan 14-13. So this Springdale team, I know they were the 13 seed, but they're not your average 13 seed. Uh, my comparison, I'd say they'd kind of be like Peters Township at 5A. The Peters Township isn't your average 11 seed. Um, we'll talk about them a little later, but um, yeah, you know, Springdale, you know, they, they stopped Colin Brady. And I know uh, Rochester, I played against Rochester. Trust me, I got nightmares about Rochester uh, still to this day. Um, but they just, they power, they're power football, and they're going to run it down your throat every play. And, and they're going to ask you to stop them. And they have a one-two punch, and more like a one-two-three punch. And, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a good game, though, with Rochester and Springdale, two teams that – um, you know, they're always playoff contenders. They're always there. I'd say Rochester has a little more success and accolades uh, in the playoffs than Springdale does, but still two perennial playoff teams at single A and the WPIL. Also in the Tri-County South, Shenango visited, visited Carmichael's. Carmichael's lost 31-13. to um, Really disappointing result here for Carmichael's. I think this was a team that Carmichael's was hoping that they'd pull in the playoffs because Shenango seemed like one of the more beatable teams in this bracket, and it was the C.J. Miller show. Um, Again. I called it I, I called it in the preview episode. I was like, C.J. Miller, is a da- he's a dangerous cat, you could say. Um, and it really showed Carmichael's just had no answer for him, and uh, 
their freshman quarterback as well. Uh, what were your thoughts here on the Mighty Mike's disappointing uh, playoff? Yeah, this one really shocked me because, honestly, I thought Carmichael's got a better draw than Wes Green did um, playing Shenango instead of Springdale. Um, but, yeah, C.J. Miller, man, just did what he does, uh, and that's run all over you, and he, he made Carmichael's pay for it. Um, you know, I, I did watch some of that game. You know, Carmichael's defense came up with some big stops. Uh, you know, in Shenango territory, and their offense just couldn't punch it in. And that, you know, they'd get a stop, offense couldn't get it, Shenango would score. So, um, you know, this game, I mean, this game wasn't close. I know 31 13 seems a little closer. Trenton Carter got a late touchdown, kind of in quote unquote garbage time, or else this one would have been 31 to 7 final score. So, uh, Shenango made the long trip down from Lawrence County all the way up from Newcastle all the way to Carmichael's, Pennsylvania. And they put a whooping on the mics Friday night. Do you think this is going to hurt the that Carmichael scene? Because you're looking at now you're losing Mike Stewart, now you're look, losing Trenton Carter, and I'm not sure that the cupboards are necessarily full behind them either. Um, it, does Carmichael's does this kind of spell a little bit of doom, doom looking ahead um, at their program just be after this loss? Because it was kind of like you know the last ride. Um, for some of these guys on the Mike's team. Yeah, you know, Carmichael's all year has been Michael Stewart and Trenton Carter, no one else behind him, Peyton Scully a little bit, but I don't know if he can be that guy to step up and carry the load. I mean, he's going to have to put in one heck of an offseason if he's going to want to be able to be that guy. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think Carmichael, I'm not going to rule out Carmichael's not being a playoff team next year because I think that's a little too early. Um, but I wouldn't have them being one of the favorites. And even you said West Green, my alma mater. I, I wouldn't have West Green as being one of the favorites with all that they're losing. I know they still have Brady back, but, I mean, they're losing pretty much their whole offensive line and everything. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say who right now my favorite is. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it, it's. It, I think we're going to see next year drastically difference in this conference than we did this year, and even past years, even to when I was still playing. I man, I don't know. We thought this conference was decent this year, and obviously going to win five in the playoffs proves that maybe they weren't very decent as at all. But you look at it's the players that some of these teams are losing. Cal, their quarterback, their their running back, their linebacker tight end combo. You look at Carmichael as their quarterback and wide receiver running back that did everything for them. West Green only brings back Colin Brady, really, right? Like, And uh, and they're losing a lot of guys in the trenches. Um, this conference, as bad as they were in the playoffs this year, five teams from this conference make the playoffs next year? Like, this, could, this round one could look good in comparison to what we see next year. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on... You know what the outlook on the Tri County South entering next year from what we're seeing. Um, you know, I just off the top of my head, I don't know. I'm going to be honest because I don't know what who everyone and everywhere else is losing compared to who's staying. So, but you could you could be right. I mean, you know, we have seen there years like that, but we've seen years where, like I said earlier, we've seen Cal have go undefeated, be the number one seed in the WPL playoffs, lose. Um, in the semis we've seen west green be the two seed and lose in the semis so um you know there's there's on years and off years this year i think we can both agree was an off year 
I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying. I'm not saying next year. I'm just saying. Like, oh, oh, it does. You know, I mean, I was gonna say honestly, if you look at it, who just is coming back? I don't know how you don't have Maple Town as a favorite to win next year. Just the fact they have Landon Stevenson coming back. And speaking of Landon Stevenson, let's move on to the next game, shall we? Rochester ran all over the Maples, 35. Nothing, not necessarily surprised, but you mentioned Landon Stevenson coming back. The Maples could very well be the favorite to win this conference. Yeah, um, you know, just because he's the one guy that caliber coming back. I mean, Colin Brady, Colin Brady's losing pretty much his whole offensive line, but one. Um, and, you know, Mapletown, you know, I think this conference, it's going to be really interesting to see next year, uh, this conference, because I think it's going to be really, really wide open. You know, because, I mean, a lot of the big-time schools, like we've seen Cal, Carmichael's, West Green, are losing uh, big chunks of their core. Now it's time for these other schools, a very young Manesson team. Maybe they can make that next jump, Mapletown, you know, who who knows? Yeah, and it seems like um, it, it seems like there are going to be major losses at every program in the Tri-County South that made the playoffs except for the final two. And that's Mapletown and the Manesson Greyhounds who went to Cornell and lost 33 nothing. Um, not the way the Greyhounds wanted to end their season, but uh, not really surprised. I mean, when you're starting on your defensive line, three freshmen, um, you know, any, and even that defense is as good as it is with three freshmen, like that's super promising. Wade Brown has that program in a great direction. Um, you know, their quarterback's a sophomore, the running back's a sophomore. Like th- that team is going to be, you know, decent next year, but maybe a real threat in two years uh, looking ahead for the Greyhounds. All right, in the Century Conference, probably the most disappointing result, New Brighton at Wash High. New Brighton gets the win 21-20 in overtime. Um, you know, New New Brighton scores with about four minutes, five minutes left to tie it up at 14. It goes to overtime. You know, Wash High had a chance um, near the end of regulation to come back, and uh, they ended up throwing an interception on fourth down um, and then, you know, needed out. Uh New Brighton needed out to go to overtime. New Brighton scores first, gets the extra point. Wash High scores two plays later uh, and goes for two. And uh, you gotta you gotta admire Mike Bosnick for making that decision to go for two. Uh, Davon Fuse gets tackled at the one yard line. Um, is this a disappointing? This is obviously a disappointing result for Wash High, uh, but the way they lost it, are you really? You know that critical of the wit of the Prexies that they would be that risky to go for two. Um, you know that they were even in this game to begin with. Yeah, the fact that they were New Brighton was still in that game. Wash High should have beat this team by at least three touchdowns. Um, I'm not gonna go. I, I so I, I did get to listen to the tail end of this game on WJPA because Char Houston ended a little earlier than this. Well, obviously this game went to overtime. So um, while Carter and Ben were getting interviews, I, I went to warm my car up because it was freezing on Friday night. Um, so I, I did go into my car to listen to the last couple minutes of this game. And I was thinking in my head, I don't disagree with the two-point conversion. Your kicking game's been streaky all year. I mean, go for the win. You know, I don't agree with it. The play call, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but you did put the ball in the hands of your best player in Davon Fuse. You can't go wrong with that. And I watched the play over and over again, and it was just a great defensive read by New Brighton and a school that's had a pretty successful year, just playing the toughest conference in the Midwestern Conference. And, um, you know, I think their strength of schedule was what pulled them through and, um, on Friday night because Wash High. 
didn't really play anybody all year, and I was a little worried about Wash High heading the playoffs, especially how they looked against McGuffey. So I mean, they did beat Clarendon. They did, but I, I will say, that, I mean, it, it's crazy to me how Clareton has changed in that since that game. Because I was there. I mean, I, I was. I told you after that game, I was like, man, this is the worst Clareton team I think in the last twenty years. I mean, especially since I've been alive. Um, but now to see how they've gone since then, it's just kind of like, hmm, you know. It never doubt the Clareton Bears, I guess. But, yeah, sure. just a disappointing way to end your season for Wash High, for sure. People are going to go back to this game and just straight up look at the two-point conversion decision and and end all be all at that. But, like, Wash High was in the red zone probably six, seven, eight times and couldn't get the ball in. Like, this game could have been literally 42-21, 49-21. The way Wash High's offense was able to get in the red zone – and then they just couldn't do anything. They get they get to between the 20 and the 10, between the 30 and the 20, and they couldn't get first downs. Their offense completely shut down after that. And, you know, th- this was a game of a lot of turnovers as well. Um, but, yeah, it seemed like when Washeye needed to make a play, they just weren't able to. And that really separates championship teams from really good teams. And um, Washeye proved that they're just a really good team after that game. McGuffey went to Laurel, and this is a score-agami game if I've ever seen one. 41-2, the Laurel Spartans beat McGuffey. McGuffey, their only points was a safety. Uh, did you hear anything about this game, or is it, it, it it's not really a surprise that Laurel won? No, the only, yeah, going to your question, the only thing I heard was the final score. Never heard anything else from this game. Not really a surprise that the Spartans were able to put such a beatdown on McGuffey. Um, at least they got on the scoreboard. Uh, 49-14, Steel Valley beat Beth Center. Also not really a surprise. I assume Steel Valley was playing backups for most of this game and put a beat down on the Bulldogs. Let's go into the interstate now. And uh, one of the more surprising ones, I thought this one was really the Scotties game to lose, but East Allegheny put a whooping on the Scotties, 36-11. Were you surprised by this result here? No, and I'm upset that you made me pick Southmoreland. You talked me into it, and I was going to pick East Allegheny. But all jokes aside, I, I was really shocked to see Southmoreland um, lose this game the way they did. East Allegheny is usually like a playoff, a perennial playoff team. And here you have Southmoreland, who was looking to win their first playoff game in program history. Um, so... Um, great season by the Scotties, seven and three in the regular season. You know they were right there at times to be there for the interstate conference, but you know just just couldn't get it done. But a good season nonetheless. And um, Anthony Govern, if you're listening, come to Waynesburg. We could use you. <laughs> All right, and the Mount Pleasant Vikings at home hosting Burrow again, thirty-four to seven. The Vikings win this one. So uh, you know from the result, you know in week one. Burrow scored one more point, and Mount Pleasant got one less touchdown. Uh, congratulations to the Burrow Bucks for um, getting that plus six indifference. But, uh, yeah, the Vikings um, picked up this win. I mean, I don't understand why I scheduled this game. I said it last week, um, but Mount Pleasant moves on. They'll play Avonworth, and that's actually probably going to be a pretty big game for them. We'll talk about that here soon. South Allegheny at Keystone Oaks, the Golden Eagles, 34-0 at Dormont Stadium. Uh, were you a little bit surprised that Keystone Oaks just had such a, a, an easy time against South Allegheny? And is Keystone Oaks maybe a dark horse, you know, to at least upset a North Catholic this week? 
Yeah, I was really shocked that uh, they rolled South Allegheny like this. I mean, this is a South Allegheny team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2013, but still, I, I was shocked by this result, but that just shows Keystone Oaks, who has been in the playoffs the last few years, uh, they know what to do, and they got the win um, at home at Dormont Stadium on Friday night. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they have a legitimate shot of upsetting uh, North Catholic. It's kind of hard to pick uh, Cardinal Warlord North Catholic, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I do like Keystone Oaks' chances heading into this game. Yeah, I feel like they're playing their best football at the right time. and We don't really know what North Catholic is yet. I mean, we know that they're good, but, like, they haven't really played any. We'll, we'll, we'll preview that game here soon. Indiana Indians at Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson 41 to nothing. Is Thomas Jefferson back? I'm not going to say that just because, although I will say... I think they went to put out a statement wearing their all-black uniforms, you know, dressed in all-black like a funeral. Uh, and it was a funeral for uh, the Indiana Little Indians um, on Friday night. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm not going to say they're back because this was no surprise that they crushed Indiana. You know, let's see what they do against an undefeated Hampton Talbots team this coming Friday and then um, how we see the result of that game go. Um I'll decide if Thomas Jefferson is back. The Laurel Highlands Mustangs get their first playoff victory in school history. Beaver missed an extra point with about two minutes left, I think. Rodney Gallagher gets the ball, drives the Mustangs all the way down the field, gets the touchdown, and the extra point. Harry Radcliffe puts it in through the uprights, and the Mustangs move on. Um, how proud are you of the Laurel Highlands that they were able to get this win on the road, and now they'll be heading back up to that Beaver area um, this weekend? Yeah, yeah, that was an awesome win for Laurel Highlands. Great job. Um, it was a team effort, too. I know Ronnie Gallagher had the big game, but other guys stepped up. TJ Ho- Hooper, Eric Allen, you know, Jaden Pratt, uh, Keandre DeShields. Like, you know, other guys stepped up. It wasn't just all Rodney Gallagher like we saw in the Trinity game. Um, and they beat a very good Beaver area team, too. Uh, Wyatt Ringer is no joke uh, for Beaver. So this was an incredible win. Great job. Congratulations to that whole program on their first win in program history. Uh, that's something awesome to be a part of. And definitely got a tall task ahead of them this Friday. We'll be talking about that here soon. Peters Township at North Hills, 33-28. The Peters Township... Indians move on, and this was a game that went back and forth. A tough loss for North Hills, a tough draw even. I mean, the fact that Peter Township is an 11 seed, that's a, and North Hills tied for first place in their conference. Like, tough draw for them. Peter Township gets the job done, and now they're headed to a rematch with Pine Richland. Uh, does it seem to you that Peter Township right now is one of those top teams in 5A. Like, they're, they're, they're playing, a dangerous They're team. playing their best football right now. they got everybody back healthy. Sam Miller is playing the best ball of his career. Uh, Jake McCusco is playing great. Never hurts to have a running back like Richie Woods either. Um, that's just to name a few, too, for this Peters Township team. They are clicking on all cylinders right now. Do you think that this game proves that they might be a dark horse to get to Heinz? I, I do. I mean, it's such, especially as wide open as 5A has been all year. Yeah, and, and what, who better than a team that's been in the 5A championship the last two seasons? So and, they know what to do and how to get there. And if they somehow pull the upset against Pine Richland, you know who was probably <coughs> going to be waiting for them in the semifinals, Pentraft. Fox Chapel Foxes. 
Maybe. Literally, Maybe. though, who, if they win, whoever they play is two teams they've beaten already this season. Yeah. If they if they do get past Pine Richland, which is a tall task, they'll play either Penn Trafford, who they dominated and made Cade Yacomelli look like a Division three recruit and not a Division one, or, or Fox, Fox Chapel, who they just out. utterly dominated yeah. in Week Zero. Yeah. So it, it, it seems like the path is there is set for Peters Township is that if they were able to pull that upset. Woodland Hills at Bethel Park, 27-23. The Wolverines win it. Two pick-sixes in the second quarter um, led Woodland Hills over the Blackhawks. Tough ending to the season for Bethel Park. I mean, if you take those two throws out of the game, they win this comfortably. Uh, but what can you say about Wolverines being able to get the job done? Heading up to Moon ta- heading up to Moon and Robert Morris this week. Yeah, yeah, uh, Woodland Hills, great job. Poor Bethel Park, though. Their season comes down to basically a blocked field goal for a touchdown against Upper St. Clair, where if they win that game, they get a better seed and probably a better matchup. Although Upper St. Clair lost. We'll talk about that. But, um, yeah, but anyway, Woodland Hills going into, Moon's off. You know, if Moon has a bad week, I mean, we've seen Moon blow out teams, but yet they've been really close in some uh, certain games. So, you know, if Woodland Hills... Gets a couple things go their way, like they get at this um, Bethel Park. Uh, you know, the Woodland Hills, as crazy as 5A has been, you know, maybe Woody High upsets Moon. And you know that, you know, when in that game against Moon, they might have the best player on the field in Deontay Williams, too. So um, that always helps. You can ask Laurel Highlands about that, having the best player on the field for every game. Fox Chapel visiting Upper St. Clair, and we were both very confident in Upper St. Clair mostly because they have that type of offense where they are able to just churn yards and control the game. And Fox Chapel, you know, pulled the Uno reverse card a little bit on them and did exactly that. Um, they were up 13-3 to for most of this game. A late touchdown ever St. Clair brings a little closer, but the Foxes come out on top. Do you think the way that the Fox Chapel defense dominated this game that um, Fox Chapel could be a very dangerous team looking ahead? Um, obviously, they got Penn Trafford, and Penn Trafford is... You know, has more of those home run hitters. They're not. They're not willing. They're more willing to throw the ball. They're more willing to get creative. Uh, but do you think Fox Chapel might be a more dangerous team after this game? Yeah, I think they are because I mean, even Upper St. Clair, like they dominate. They got eight different guys that can throw the football and have thrown the football this year. So like this, this, uh, this result really surprised me, and I think it just shows, like I've said, and I know I, I'm like a record on repeat here, but how wide open five A is. I mean, anybody who is left in 5A, I think, legitimately has a chance to win it all. I mean, if you can beat Upper St. Clair, there's no reason why you can't beat Penn Trafford. In right. my mind. In my mind. I agree. Obviously, they're two very different-looking teams on offense, but, like, I, I really think that, you know, the same applies. Every like, team left in 5A, Nathan, I'm being serious, has a legit chance of winning the 5A Whippeal Championship. Like, like seriously, like you can't talk me out of it. Everybody left has a chance. All right, it'll be interesting to see if the Foxes uh, pull up some magic against Penn Trafford coming up this week. Uh, in 6A, Cannon Mac, uh, their season ends unsurprisingly to North Allegheny. 49-26, the Tigers win. Um, Cannon Mac loses five in a row to end the season. Um, you know, how disappointing was this end for the Big Macs? Obviously, you know, without Ryan Angett, it's kind of hard to uh, get 
get wins if you're Kane and Mac, and it really showed the last couple weeks. Yeah, disappointing. You know, the big loss was to North A the first time where they were up in that game and then answered, uh, three, gave up 36 unanswered points in a row. Then followed by the next week, the biggest disappointment, I think, in this five-game losing stretch was uh, the loss to Norwin um, for sure. Um, the Big Mac still, though, had a good season, started off good, obviously didn't finish the way you wanted, and now uh, the Big Macs are um, going home once again. And the Tigers will move on. They'll take on the number one Mount Lebanon Blue Devils. Uh, let's preview some games, though. Week round two, rather, of the Whippeal playoffs. Uh, we're into the round of 32 in the PIAA bracket. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what teams on the other end of it, on the eastern side or whatever, um, come out alive on that side. But uh, here on the western side in 5A, there's one game that really stands above the rest, and that's the game of the week. It's Peters Township at Pine Richland up in Gibsonia, Pine Richland. Um, you know, they've been waiting for this game. I'm, You know, this could be, you know, new coach this season. This game could really be a statement win for that program. And on the Peters Township side, it's the team they lost to, you know, up at you know, North Allegheny last season. You were there at that game. I was. Uh, so this will be a fun matchup for you, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, both teams are kind of mirrors of each other, too, this year, right? Because Peters Township got a bunch of injuries in the middle of the season. It hurt them. They lost three games in a row. Got all their guys back. Pounded West Day. Pounded South Fayette. Um, came in and beat North Hills. And... Pine Richland, same story, right? Where the quarterback goes down and Cole Boyd, and they struggle against North Hills, lose that game, and ever since then, you know, they've gotten, they've started to get those guys back, and now they're back where they were. Um, which team, with all the injuries coming back, do you feel favors now that they get all their guys back for this game? Um, right now, looking into Pine Richland for the fact they are at home, they've had the week off. They, I'm sure a bunch of them were at the North Hills. It's not a far commute down from Gibsonia to Monterelli Stadium. So I'm sure a bunch of them, if not all of them, were at uh, Monterelli on Friday night scouting. Um, I think they have the advantage in this one at home. Everybody has been riding this team off all across the state ever since the Eric Kasparovich scandal. I'll call it a scandal. Um, you know, everybody's been riding them off, even a bunch of the writers at PA Football News, writing them off after an 0-3 start, and, and then it really clicked on after they crushed St. Clair, and it's like, oh, hey, no, no, they're, they're, not as, they're not as far gone as we thought they were. And here they are, tied for conference championship, um, get the first round by, and now it's their time to prove, like, hey, we just won freaking states a year ago. We got a bunch of guys back, like, this is still our. This is we're still the defending champs. Like this is our classification to lose. Yeah, I mean, in my five A predictions, I predicted that uh, Pine Richland would win it all, and I, I feel like they're still the presumptive favorite, even though they 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 lost in North Hills. But um, uh, on the Peters side, especially early in the season, we talked about how dominant that defense was and how they were just shutting teams down, and then the Upper Saint Clair game happened. Um. And now Peters is getting all their guys back. They've been shutting down West A. They shut down South Fayette. Um, they held North Hills to 28 points in that dynamic offense. Um, do we see a return to that Peters dominant defense against a Pine Richland offense that's been way up, way down, depending on the game? Yeah, I'm interested to see. You know, this is a Peters team that 
um, two years ago, lost to the WPIO Finals to Gateway. Next season, they played Gateway in the semis, played the best game that they probably in the program's history, upset Derek Davis and the Gateway Gators last year in the semis. Remember that game was like 13-10 or something. Like yeah. It's not a high-scoring game. Right, yeah. And, you know, so there's that. Going last year, they lost. Mercy rolled by Pine Richland in the WPIO Finals up at North Allegheny this year. Now they're going, like last year, it was at Gateway. This year, they head to Pine Richland for a chance at revenge. I... I, I think it's going to be a fun and close game and part of that is just going to be because the quarterback battle um sam miller has been steadily improving throughout the year and now he's really playing his best football pine richland ended the season um with cole boyd on the sidelines but the rumor is he's going to be back for this game who which quarterback are you most confident in to lead their team here this week on friday well right now i would say sam miller um, just for the fact that Sam has been cooking on all cylinders. We haven't seen Cole Boyd since North Hills. So, you know, he might come out a little slow. But once Cole Boyd's healthy, Cole Boyd is one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Pennsylvania, not just the WPIL. So, um, but right now I would have to give the edge to Sam Miller just because he's played more recent. And not only the quarterbacks, but there's weapons all over the field as well on the Piner, on the Peters Township side. We just we talked about um, you know Richie Woods, Luke Petrarca, um, Jake Makosko, all those guys. And on the other side, you got Brooks Eastburn um, and Geppelis and all them. Uh, what? Who do you think has that advantage of just having the more raw athletes out there on the field? I think it's even. Not even kidding. I think it's so even. Uh, the, the, the advantage I'd have to say is I know Pine Richland has a lot bigger linemen than Peters Township does, and I think that's the one thing that I would have to give Pine Richland the advantage on over Peters. All right, and let's <coughs> pick the game. I got Pine Richland. Uh, I think they win not too comfortably, um, but I think it's comfortable enough for us to feel confident about them um, entering Heinz Field uh, a week after. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think Pine Richland gets this one, but it's going to be close, and it's going to come down to a last possession. All right, let's pick, or let's discuss, rather, um, the 3A Interstate game of the week, and Elizabeth Ford is hosting um, their playoff game against Freeport. Freeport, you know, played a close one for three quarters against Ambridge and then uh, showed that they were the better team in the fourth quarter. But I think we can both agree Elizabeth Ford is far and away the better team uh, what will Freeport have to do to keep this game even close? Because for me, I feel like this game is a blowout just looking straight at it. Yeah, what they're going to have to do, they're going to have to wear out that incredible Elizabeth forward defense. I mean, that's what it's going to be. Uh, it, you know, all Elizabeth forward has to do is get 14 points and they should win this game because their defense is just that good. And recently they've been proving that they can score a little bit more than 14 points. Um, obviously, they put up a, a lopsided number against Mount Pleasant. Um, let's pick the game, though. I got the Warriors winning this one. Yeah, I got the Warriors. I think the Warriors put all of three three A on standby, and I think that they, uh, especially the Central Valley Warriors, who beat them in the WPL Finals last year. Elsewhere in the interstate, Mount Pleasant at Avonworth, and the Antelopes have had a week off. The Vikings played a team that they already played um, earlier in the season, so 
you know, call a spade a spade. Like, it, it could have been a week off for Mount Pleasant, and I, I guess playing that extra game has helped them. But um, for the Vikings, this game seems a little bit more winnable than some of the other opponents they could have played. Like, you could have matched up with the North Catholic, and I think that would have been a bad matchup for them or Central Valley. So Mount Pleasant definitely gets the benefit of the draw. They struggled against South Allegheny two weeks ago, but with this positive momentum against Burl, do you think that kind of leads them to maybe be a possible upset contender here against the Lopes? Yeah, I think they have a good shot at upsetting. I agree with you. I think this is the best draw they could have gotten. Um, obviously, they probably weren't going to match them up to play Elizabeth forward again. And then again, I still think that Avonworth would have been the best option for them. So, so yeah, Mount Pleasant, you know, taking a lot of momentum off last week's win against Burrow um, and take it into this week against Avonworth. I, I think that they do have a possible, um, I think they have a possible, let me rephrase that. I think they have a possibility of walking out of Avonworth uh, with a win against the Antelopes. For me, it just comes down to them controlling the ball because in all their all their wins, they've held the ball for you know thirty plus minutes, right, with possession. Um, you know, and for me, that's how they steal this one. But I don't think they do that. I think Avonworth is just a much better team right now than Mount Pleasant is. Mount Pleasant got favored in the seedings, and that's why they looked so good last week. Um, I got the Lopes winning this one. Yeah, I agree. I got Avonworth winning this one. Um, you know, I, I just, I just personally, I just think Avonworth's a better team. All right, and Newcastle visiting Bell Vernon. Do the Hurricanes stand a chance against the Leopards? No. Yeah. yeah there would actually have to be an actual hurricane uh, to slow Bell Vernon down on Friday night. All right, so I'll take your picking of the Leopards to win this one. Um, if this was a spread, do you think this would be a 28-point spread? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. And Newcastle's a good team. It's just... They're not on the same level as Bell Vernon. Game of the week in the Big 8 Conference, Thomas Jefferson versus the Hampton Talbots. This game is... So it says it's a neutral field, but then they just scheduled it at Hampton. Um, so it's not really a neutral field for Thomas Jefferson. Uh, but either way, you know, TJ is probably going into this game expecting to win. And they have a possible matchup next week against the rival in Bell Vernon. Uh, do you think this might be a letdown look-ahead spot for Thomas Jefferson, even though it's in the playoffs? Uh, no. No, I don't. I think Bill Cherpeck will have those kids ready to play and only focused on Hampton, not looking ahead to possibly Bell Vernon. And the biggest discrepancy between these teams, I think, is in the trenches where Thomas Jefferson is pulling in with a Division One offensive and defensive line, and Hampton is pulling in with a very small undersized offensive and defensive line. Um, Hampton has good athletes, but do you think that just spells doom for the Talbots' chances here? I do, especially after last week's results where they barely beat a Plum. They beat Plum by one point, a team that they already saw in the regular season. Um, Yeah, I I just don't like Hampton's chances at all. But Hampton running backs, two 1,000-yard rushers there in the backfield, and Thomas Jefferson has showed a propensity this season to struggle against run-heavy teams. We saw that against McKeesport. We saw that against Bell Vernon. Um, do you think Hampton will try to expose those same flaws uh, this weekend? Yeah, I mean, if you're Hampton, you don't want to try something different. You want to do what you've done all year that's got you to this point. No need to change it up now. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I agree with you, but I, I just think McKeesport and Bell Vernon were better teams, and I think we can both agree that uh, Quentin Martin and Devin Whitlock are a better duo, and even Kanye Thompson and uh, Bobby Boyd are a better duo than 
that that Hampton has. All right, let's pick the game, Thomas Jefferson, by three touchdowns for me. That's generous. I'm going to go four. I think Thomas Jefferson rolls over T- Hampton. Um, good thing Hampton's good at basketball because they're going to have to start practice soon. All right, and elsewhere in the Big 8, Armstrong visiting McKeesport. This game was also played earlier this season, and McKeesport won 24-14 up in Catanning. Um, do you think this game is going to go a different way than it did earlier this season? Obviously, Caden Olsen is just playing on a whole nother level this year. I think he has like 2,400 passing yards or something. Like He is absolutely carrying the Riverhawks so, so far this year. Real contrast of styles. Um do you have confidence that this game will play out any differently? Yeah, I do. I don't think it's going to be close. Um, I, I, Caden Olson, and congratulations to Armstrong Riverhawks on their first win, um, playoff win in program history um, since the 2015 or 16 merger of Ford City and Catanning High School. Um, but they're playing a McKeesport team that is going to be ticked off. They've had two weeks now to prepare for this game. And they are ticked off at how they played against Bell Vernon, and Armstrong is going to have to suffer the consequences. Yeah, uh, let's pick this game. And I originally was going to pick Armstrong, but now after thinking about it, it's like, yeah, McKeesport, give them two weeks and they can game plan for just about anybody, especially uh, with the athletes they have. I have confidence that they'll be able to shut down Caden Olson, you know, pretty regularly. So give me McKeesport, but I think it's a little bit closer than um, you might think. Yeah, I got a keysport. I got I have a keysport by like three touchdowns. You know, I think that I think we get a I think we see a Bobby Boyd touchdown late in the game to make it a three score game. Laurel Highlands visiting El Equipa, the Laurel Highlands Mustangs trying to pull off another upset after getting their first win um, in playoff history. But uh, you thought they struggled against a Thomas Jefferson offensive and defensive line. You thought they struggled against Bell Vernon's offensive and defensive line. Well, Aliquippa says hold my beer because four of their five guys on the offensive line are over 300 pounds. Um, scariness. Scariness for Laurel Highlands, man. The quips run all over. You know, this is a maybe a four or five touchdown blowout. I like Rodney Gallagher, but I have no confidence here. Yeah, hold my club soda for the PG <laughs> audience. But, yeah, um, you, you basically hit the hit the nail on the head with that one. Give me the Alquipa quips. He's, we've seen Laurel Highlands not show up at all against Bell Vernon or TJ or even McKeesport. Um, and we're probably going to see the same up in Beaver County on Friday. Woodland Hills visiting the Moon Tigers. Uh, the Moon Tigers have the two, have the week off. That definitely helps them. Woodland Hills, you know, that defense has really been uh, has really made some statements the last couple weeks for the Wolverines. Um, over the Woodland Hills is not a team you want to overlook in the playoffs. They're a dangerous team. They might have the best player on the field. Uh, what are your initial takeaways from seeing this matchup, and do you think that Moon can really uh, hold hold their ground and win this one? Yeah, you know, Moon's just done what they've needed to do all year, and that's win. And it's been different in each game. We've seen them win close ones against St. Clair and Peters. We've seen them blow out teams like Bethel Park and West Allegheny. Like, it, it's just been it's been an interesting year for sure to cover this Moon Tigers team. And um, I, I don't think we see anything different on Friday night. All right, so I take it you're picking the Moon Tigers. I'm going to have to because just all they've done all year is win, man. 
I disagree. I'm taking the Wolverines. I, I think this will be a low-scoring defensive battle, and in low-scoring defensive battles, the team with the best player on the field usually wins. And for me, that's Woodland Hills. I think Deontay Williams carries the Wolverines to victory here in an upset, a 9-over-1 upset. You may think I'm crazy, but... No, I mean, I, I think, dude, as crazy as 5A's been this year, I, I really don't care who you pick, because like, <laughs> I, I don't think... I don't think Moon crushes Woodland Hills by any means. I mean, honestly, it might come down to a field goal. Well, just Moon's done what they've done all year, man. Like, I just, I, I can't, Woodland Hills just doesn't give me that wow factor um, to pick them over Moon. And I agree with you. I think Deontay Williams is the best player on the field on Friday night. Um, but, yeah, I, I just can't, there's just nothing pops out to me that says, oh, yeah, Woodland Hills has this one in the bag. And let's go across the Whippeals for picking other games. Now starting off in 1A, the Ulsh Chargers visiting the Clareton Bears. This game is actually going to be at Clareton. Um, they took a little bit for them to decide that, but uh, either way, Bears win. Yeah, not even close. Um, yeah, not even close. Springdale in Rochester. Uh, you know, this game might have a little bit more juice now after the West Green upset, but I still think Rochester wins. Yeah, I agree. I had Rochester going to the semis when I filled my bracket out, and I still got him now. Shenango visiting Bishop Canavan, and this game will not be close. Crusaders win. Yeah, Bishop Canavan, I have them winning 1A, rolling with them, and whoever they were going to play, whether it be Carmichael's or Shenango, wasn't going to be close. And this might be the best game of in 1A, Leechburg and Cornell, the Blue Devils and the Raiders. Um, you know what? I'm going with Braylon Lovelace in this one. I think it's a very trendy pick. Cornell has shown that when they play good teams, they struggle. They don't score a lot of points. Uh, defense is really good, right? Um, but, you know, Leechburg's offense is on another level. I think Leechburg wins this one, man, even comfortably. Like, um, Cornell, Cornell's defense is really good, but I don't have confidence in their offensive score to match enough points with the Blue Devils. As friend of the show, Lee Corso once said, good prick, my friend. I had a Leechburg, too. I picked Leechburg to go to the semis. I think this Leechburg team was criminally underrated as a seven seed. They showed what they got against Cal on Friday night, and I think they pulled a big upset against Cornell this Friday. Up in two-way, south side area at Steel Valley. I think these both these teams met in the 2018 Whitfield Championship in two-way, I believe. Uh, the Ironmen at home in this one, I think they win this one a little bit more comfortably than they won that game. Yeah, Southside always plays really well in the WPL playoffs. We've even seen them a couple times make it to the championship game um, like you like they did against Steel Valley. But um, Steel Valley's been really the class of two-way the last uh, five to six years. So um, I'm still going with the Ironmen. New Brighton trying to follow up their miracle win over Wash High, and they'll be headed to Geneva College to face the Beaver Falls. Uh, yeah, I got the Tigers. They they might be the best team in 2A right, right now, the way they're playing. Um, you know, they're they're very underrated right now in my eyes. I think I think they win this game very comfortably. Yeah, I had Beaver Falls beating Wash High, um, so I'm obviously going to have to keep my go with my gut here and have them beating New Brighton, and which is going to be a big game at Geneva College. These are two border schools, you know. If you know geography, especially geography in Beaver County, New Brighton is smack dab right below Beaver Falls. It's like a mile and a half apart from each other. So it's going to be a big game up at Geneva College at Reeves Field. 
and probably the biggest game in 2A, the Sarah Catholic Eagles, and I wish this game was somewhere close to us so I could go to it. They'll be headed to Laurel to face the Spartans, and uh, this is a big one. Like, this is this is the This is game. a championship game, essentially. Literally. Literally. Like, this could be the... If you told us in the middle of the season that this was the championship game, I don't think either of us would have been surprised. Um, so they'll face off here um, in the quarterfinals. I think Sarah Catholic wins this, but it, in a shootout. Like, it'll be crazy. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Sarah Catholic wins, but I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Sarah Catholic's defense does what they've done and show up all year. Um, and I'm thinking, like, 13-10 to 10 final score, but Sarah Catholic wins. Mohawk visiting Stowe Rocks. Stowe Rocks. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah, Stowe Rocks. Stowe Rocks is my favorite to win it all. Um, sorry, John Voss. I liked you last Friday, but I don't like your chances this Friday. In 3A, East Allegheny at Central Valley. Yeah, Central Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Central Valley's my pick to win states at 3A, so. I, is any, like... Until they play Wyoming, is anybody going to touch them? That's what I mean. Like, no one's going to touch them until the, the state final. It's going to be a rematch of Wyoming and Central Valley. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody comes within three touchdowns of them, even in the Whitfield. Either team. Yeah. I don't think either team. Yeah. I don't think Wyoming is, touch, is to, close to anybody, and I don't think Central Valley is. Keystone Oaks at North Catholic, and uh, I got the Golden Eagles in this one. I think they upset North Catholic. And they're going to be like, North Catholic's undefeated. Well, they haven't played. Yeah, anybody. they haven't played anybody um, except a couple Little League teams. Um, but I'm still going to go North Catholic. They have the resume um, in previous years, and I'm just going to go off previous standards that North Catholic is always a team to reckon with in the playoffs. So I think it's a close one, though. I, I got North Catholic winning by a touchdown. And let's jump up into 5A now. Penn Hills at Gateway and um – this was a blowout earlier in the season, remember. Gateway definitely had their way with the Indians, and I think they do the same this weekend. Give me the Gators. 5A's been crazy all year. Not so fast, my friend. Give me the Penn Hills Indians. I got the Indians going all the way to Heinz Field in the 5A championship, losing to Penn Trafford. But I still got Penn Hills making it to the championship. Still going to go with my gut, going with the Penn Hills Indians. Fox Chapel at Penn Trafford. This game, everybody's calling it as a blowout. I'm not so sure it's going to be a blowout. I think this might be a little bit of a surprise game. But I still think Penn Trafford is able to get the job done and win and beat Fox Chapel. They're my pick to win it all. Sticking with them. Cade Yarkamelli is my guy. I'm riding with him all the way to Hines, baby. In 6A, Seneca Valley at Central Catholic. But this game will be at uh, Baldwin High School. Um, the Raiders and the Vikings. And you know what? Give me that upset. I got Seneca Valley winning this game. Wow, wow, that, that's a that's a I mean that's a solid pick. Seneca Valley held their own against Central Valley or Central Catholic um, in the season, but I still like the Vikings in this one. Championship experience, defending champs. Um, I think the Vikes roll into the um, to Norwin High School. And final game here on the Whippeal North Alley game. Mount Lebanon. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Mount Lebanon. Don't even read it. Mount Lebanon. Bob Palco, all he does is win WPIL championships. That's not changing this year. All right. Well, that'll just about do it for previewing round two. 
Uh, Jeremiah, what game stands out to you the most as the one you're the most excited for? Well, I think it's got to be the one I'm going to in Peters Township, Pine Richland. I'm excited for this one. I was very disappointed last year, kind of because Carter and I, we were at that game in North Allegheny where we had the thrill of the 4A championship between TJ and Aliquippa. Went to overtime, TJ winning 35-28. And then the next game, you know, we went to Chipotle and Wexford after, chilled out, went back um, and covered Pine Richland and Peters Township. Hope that would be a good game, but Peters Township fell to the uh, rock and roll train that was Eric Kasparovich and the mighty Pine Richland Rams last year with Cole Spencer and uh, Miguel Jackson. Um, this year I think it's going to be different. I think Peters Township is going to play. Um, I think they're going to be. I think it's going to be a close one. It's one I'm really excited for. Get to go to Pine Richland. Uh, this might be a hot take, but I'm going to the place that Eric Kasparovich built. So literally, so yeah, literally. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited for that one. I, I really am. A field that your favorite Phil Jerkovic used to run all over. I hope they have a statue of him outside the stadium. They don't, but I, I, if they did, I, there, there, there's got to be something for him there that I'm going to take a picture of and send to you on Friday night. Phil Jerkovic is undefeated against my favorite teams. He beat State High twice and he's beat Virginia Tech twice and. Phil Dracovic, man, just out for you, man. Golly gosh darn it, he's going to get drafted by the Packers and torture me for ten more years after that. <laughs> hey, man, never, I'm telling you, Phil Dracovic, man, one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll just about wrap this podcast up. If you like it, go support us. It, it's in the description. Um, it's a listener support. It's part of the Anchor FM Network. Um, go check it out. What 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 are you gonna do with twelve bucks a month, really, or twelve bucks a year? Excuse me, twelve bucks a year. You know, that's like a couple Big Macs. Like <laughs> that's three Big Macs. So just take three Big Macs out of your diet and uh, help support us um, and get healthier as well. Uh, if you want to. Um, check out more of our stuff at PA Backyard on twi- on Twitter, at Backyard PA Sports on Instagram. Go check out PAFootballNews.com for all of your, you know, statewide Pennsylvania high school news. You can go check out the merch on Teespring. Aside from that, this has been the Backyard PA Football Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Jeremiah. And we'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Backyard PA Football Podcast with Nathan Grella and Jeremiah Miller. Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. Support us on Patreon. Check out some merch on Teespring. Thank you for listening. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.